0: Who are all? Who Who is the all died in faith? Who, who, what is the author talking about? Who is, who is the all? Eric. People in the Old Testament. Yes! Okay, so all the Old Testament saints, all the people of God, okay? They all died in faith, all right? Go, Kim. Not having received the things promised. Stop! Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that, I think, I don't think you understand how mind-boggling that statement is, right? All these Old Testament saints died, never having received the thing that they were promised. What was the thing that they were promised? Can anyone venture a guess? What were, what were they promised? What was promised to Abraham? What was promised to Israel, the sons of Jacob? Can you guess. I will start drawing, and then you can tell me. All right? Huh, man, Who said something? What? Is this enough of a clue? Montana. Montana. (laughs) Yes, okay. They were promised, conveniently named for us, the promised land, okay? Okay, that was the promise. God said to Abraham, God said to all his people, one day you will... Have the promised land. You will reside in the Mm. promised land. Now, Hebrews 11, remember, this is Hebrews. This is in the New Testament, okay? It says that they never received what they were promised. On the surface, on the face of this, what's the problem? What's the problem here? (laughs) I'm going to just call on people, like my eye of Sauron. (laughs) What's the problem? On the surface. They never received the promised land, is what Hebrews eleven is saying. What's what's the problem here? On the surface, um. is that true? All right, now my eyes are roving again. <laughs> Neiman. Well, it doesn't really sound like a promised land if they don't. The promise is not like fulfilled. Well, well, let me ask <laughs> you this: um, Did the people actually settle on the land? Not really, no. No? But yes, kind of, for a little while. <laughs> Who can... Harry. Her- uh, I don't know what we're talking about yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, still, uh, I'm still... You're sure. still processing? All right. I will tell you the answer. <laughs> the answer is that absolutely. They resided in the Promised Land. Did they not have David as king? Did they not have Solomon? Did they not establish their kingdom? Did they not have a capital city called Jerusalem? Right? And then yet... The writer says they never received it I think that's so mind-boggling. How can the writer ever say that they ne- the, the writers basically they never got to la- they never got to live in the land How did they never get to live in the land I can't keep reading I won't interrupt as much <laughs> But having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth for people who speak thus make it clear that they are spe- are seeking a homeland if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city." Yeah. (coughs) It's one of the most profound passages in all of the Bible. That the Jews, all of God's Old Testament saints, even as they were living in the Promised Land, they never quite got the promise. Because the promise, as the Hebrew writer says, is that they were looking for a better country, a heavenly country. They were looking for a city to come. And so it wasn't Jerusalem. It was New Jerusalem. This was the promise. God was ultimately promising Abraham and Jacob and uh, Israel New Jerusalem. They were never promising Jerusalem in the Promised Land. And, and even as they had the Promised Land, even as they had Jerusalem, they knew They knew that this wasn't it, that it was only a type of what was to come. And then I have there printed in Hebrews 11 verses 9 through 10. Let me just read it for you. In verse 10 it says, speaking of Abraham, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. This is an eternal divine city, not the city of, not any earthly city. And that Jerusalem is really just leading ultimately to the new Jerusalem, okay? And so before we dive, and so we're going to look at the text about New Jerusalem. Before we dive in, uh, I just want to um, review just quickly some details about the tabernacle and temple because this will help us um, to appreciate what's going on. So what I'm drawing here is the temple. Okay, and what is this, what is this called? This outer area. Courtyard. Outer courtyard, good. And everything, the, the, the materials in the outer courtyard was made out of what? Bronze. Bronze. Bronze, good. Okay, and then this would be like what? The city, right? Just the regular city. Normal city folk. And then this is called the. Huh? Mave. 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 Maeve. Don't use architectural <laughs> fancy terms with me. <laughs> 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 I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> what? What? What, uh, do you guys remember? <laughs> maeve? I don't know what a Maeve is. What is a Maeve?
1: Maeve. <laughs> <laughs> She's an architect major, so everything is like an architectural
0: <laughs> term. Huh? No. Uh, no? Anybody else? Holy place. Holy place, okay. It's called the Holy Place. And what is everything made of in the Holy Place? Gold, gold. Gold. In fact, that is so significant, I'm going to write it in blue. Okay. We don't have a goldie, blue, will do it. Okay, uh, what was this place called? Holy of Holies. Holy of Holies. Holy of Holies. Okay, and everything inside the Holy of Holies is made out of? Gold. Gold, gold. okay. And then let's talk about um, the barriers. Who can, who can live in the city? Anyone can live in the city, right? So all people. Who can live, I mean, who can enter the courtyard? What's so the Jews? restriction? Huh? Jews. Jews, okay, so only Jews. Let's just say Israel. Okay, who can enter the holy place? Priests. Okay. Who can enter into the holy of holies? High priest. High priest. High priest. One one man. And how often? Once, once, a, once, a, year. once a year. Yeah, wow, you guys good. Okay. okay, now this is very important for you guys to understand, okay? God is reestablishing the Garden of Eden. God is reestablishing His presence. And the way you enter is through this direction. Okay? Why is that direction significant? Can anyone review? Because so you're that? entering back Eden? Yes, you're entering back into Eden. Remember, they were expelled east of Eden. Now they're going west. Um, and they go through these layers, right, of security or holiness or barriers. Okay? That's very important. Alright, now. Now we're ready to appreciate the New Jerusalem. Uh, let's, what am I going to do here? Let's turn to, let's read verses 1 through 3 of Revelation. Um, who is next? Let me have, uh, Eric Chow read verses 1 through 3. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down, out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of the Lord is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be them as their God. So yeah, I think, you know, I wish that I can convey to you guys um, how beautiful and how weighty verse 3 is, because it's saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God, he will dwell with his people and he will be, And he will be, they will be his people and he will be their God and this, was, this is going to be forever and, and this is so beautiful the whole story of the Bible this is the climax it's leading up to this moment New Jerusalem and so we don't have the time to read through the whole text so I'm just going to point out a few details alright and so the first detail i like to point out is verse 16 who can I pick on how about Eric Jung read verse 16 it's on the top right uh, second verse the city lies four-square, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length and width and height are equal. All right, so the first detail of the New Jerusalem, it's a very unusual detail, is what? Who can tell me? What is the unusual detail of the city? It's square, it's square yeah, but it's more than square. Got cube. Square. Who said it? Cube. Cube. It's cube-shaped, right? Notice that its height, length, and width this is my cube, okay? I remember, <laughs> I don't know why I'm a Star Trek now, I'm thinking like the Borg. Um, but, <laughs> but okay, so it's a cube- it's cube-shaped city, right? That's a very unusual city, right? And You don't typically think of a city as a cube, but then um, look at the dimensions, the stadia, right? Uh, you guys don't know what a stadia is. A stadia, guess what English word comes from stadia? Stadium. 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 So it's basically a length of a stadium, about under, a little under 200 meters, and 12,000 stadia comes out to 1,400 miles. Okay? Now, the United States is roughly... This isn't my map of... Okay? The <laughs> United States is... Ru- <laughs> it's a very accurate depiction, right? The United States is roughly about 3,000 miles. Okay? So this this city is like this, okay? This is the city. And and it goes up thousand four hundred miles. Well, well, well beyond the atmosphere, right? Um so that's the first interesting detail. That this city is enormous. This city is huge. The second interesting detail, um, look with look with me to verse 18. Can I have Tony read it? Yeah. The wall was built of jasper while the city was pure gold, clear as glass. Yeah, ignore the jasper part. Um, it says the city was? Pure gold. Pure, pure, pure gold, right? Okay. So basically, it's a what? It's a hmm. golden cube. Okay. Super, super significant. Why is that significant? What is that immediately? The holies of Holies. Yes. Okay. The Holy of Holies was what? A cube. It was a room. God specifically said the Holy of holy has to be, the dimensions has to be a cube. The height, width, and length has to be identical. And therefore, what is this passage telling us? What is the New Jerusalem? It is a giant. Holy of Holies? It's a giant Holy of Holies. I mean, even when you guys say that, I get like shivers thinking about it, right? <laughs> it's just so amazing. Um, And remember, again, the reason why uh, the the temple had gold and the outer courtyard had bronze and everything else was just like, I don't know, plaster and stone, is because gold represented the presence of God. And and for the entire city to be gold, the entire city to be a cube, it's basically saying what? We're going to live forever in all eternity inside the (coughs) Holy of Holies. Which is another way of saying we're going to forever be in the presence of God. We're forever going to be in the Garden of Eden with God walking with him forever. And and it's really an amazing thing. Um, look look with me to verse 21. Who, uh, Karen, can you read to verse 21? And the twelve gates with were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, transparent as well. Okay, so, so I just want to focus on that last detail, right? The streets of the city were pure gold. You know, a lot of people kind of kind of make fun of this, like, oh, you know, heaven will be streets of gold. Okay? That, it, I think, like, people like, oh, that's so, like, gaudy, right? Maybe it's like Donald Trump's uh, <laughs> design styles, right? That's not what's being, trying to, trying to be conveyed here. Because you have to remember, right, that only gold was in the Holy of Holies, in the temple. And if you were living in the city, right, these are the streets of the city, what were the streets made of? Like, stone, dirt, plaster, right? They're just ordinary streets. And the promise of the New Jerusalem is that even the streets will be gold. Which tells us what? That the entire city is holy. The entire place is the Holy of Holies, which only the high priest could enter, and only once a year, because why? Because he, had to, because, um, he has to provide atonement for sin, right? God is saying continually, you cannot come inside the Holy of Holies because you're too sinful. I'm a holy God, you can't be in my presence. You can only be in my presence. if You have a high priest who goes through this enormous ritual. He would go through a week-long cleansing ritual. He would take baths he would pray all the time he had this like team of priests around him helping him to pray helping him to prepare and then he would enter into the Holy of Holies only after making a sacrifice and then he has to rush right back out and if he makes a mistake he will be struck dead and then now God is saying you will forever live inside that Holy of Holies never again do you have to wait once a year only the high priest forever we're going to be in there It, it is the most amazing vision that the Bible can give us of what our future is and what our hope is okay So that's the first detail, um, or the first two details. Any quick questions on that? So it's a golden cube. Okay. Is that like a literally, um, like a real city that's 1,400 miles all the way around? Or is that kind of just like a metaphor for like how we are one day going to live in the presence of God? The dimensions of the city... Uh, We're actually going to get to hopefully if I have enough time, but I actually think um, That uh, the dimensions are going to be much bigger Uh, The the dimensions here are symbolic and I'll tell you why because if you notice it says 12,000 stadia Where did we come up with the number 12,000? It's 12 which represents Israel, because there are 12 tribes of Israel. So the fullness of all God's people times 1,000. A 1,000 is just like their number for huge, <laughs> right? Like if you ever say, like, a huge amount of people, 1,000 people, so it's 12 times 1,000, 12,000, that's what we get getting the number. But I think it still conveys to us how enormous this city was. It's, it's 1,400 square miles in length and on each side, it's, 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 it's huge. Yes. And I was gonna say like that's crouched in the book of Revelation where there's a lot of like numbers and a lot of symbolism. So the uh, the thing that I like to say is um, yeah like what 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 certain things that the Bible talks about they're we it shouldn't be taken literally but that's a good thing because it means it's so much more enormous than we can even imagine. So I think um, yeah I think the 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 meaning of the twelve thousand stadia is the enormity of the city. not the actual dimensions. Even if this were the literal dimensions, it's an enormous city, right? Think about it, right? I mean, uh, uh, the density of the city, right, of New York City. I think I, I read this really interesting book, right, about New York City um, and how uh, uh, the reason why New York City is so dense is because they have skyscrapers. But the sky, even the skyscrapers reach what, at max, about 100 stories, right? If this city were, if this were an enormous, it's it's kind of like a coruscant, right? Where did? Anyways, (laughs) nerdy reference. All Uh, Yes. Um, How are we supposed to like draw conclusions from like scripture whenever we're taking passages that are kind of like ambiguous? Yeah. Like, how are we ever supposed to like actual draw like a final conclusion like that's what it's saying? Like, how do you ever come to that kind of like? I think the key to understanding Revelation is always that everything is evoking promises and imagery and, and and stories from the Old Testament. And so the entire book of Revelation, uh, I think one of the reasons why we have so much difficulty understanding it is because we're trying to understand without understanding the Old Testament. But if you're super steeped in the Old Testament, like for the, for the people who read John the, first, uh, the Revelation for the first time, when he said, okay, this new Jerusalem is going to be a cube, everyone would have been like, it's a golden cube. I mean, alarm bells would have been running, right? But for the rest of us, we're like, it's a golden cube. I don't know if I want to live in a golden cube, you know? And so we, we approach it with modern... Like our modern tastes, you know, or, or yeah. our modern understanding. And so I would say, if you really want to read Revelation, well, read the whole Old Testament verse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> That's simple. That's very simple. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I would say a good study Bible, right? If you look at, um, for example, my favorite study Bible is the ESV study Bible, all those details are mentioned. So, you know, just look at the notes and say, oh, interesting. Okay. Um, next detail, verse 22. Who's next? Who can I pick on? Uh, Neiman, can you read verse 22? Uh, and I saw no temple in the city for its temple is the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb yeah I think at first it seems like it's negating the argument that I'm making right there's no temple and so how can we be dwelling in the presence of God forever and ever well we have to remember that the temple while it signified God's presence was also keeping God's people away right they are barriers of holiness and and what this verse is saying is that no more will there be barriers right we don't have to like Cross security lines carefully and slowly, but we're going to be in here forever, right? Um, turn to Zechariah fourteen. It's in the it's in the um, the other page. I want to read to you um, this passage. Uh, let me. Can I Harry? Yeah. Right. Uh, let me just set it up for you. Zechariah is a prophecy of uh, of the future, right? That what's going to happen in the future, and so. It's supposed to comfort God's people. And on that day there shall be inscribed on the bells of the horses, holy to the Lord. And the pots in the house of the Lord shall be as the bowls before the altar. And every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holy to the Lord of hosts, so that all who sacrifice may come and take of them and boil the meat of the sacrifice in them. And there shall no longer be a traitor in the house of the Lord of hosts on that day. Okay, so let me just point out a few details. right? This is a prophecy to comfort God's people, to tell them of what's coming ahead. And he says there in verse 20 that um, inscribed on the bells of the horses shall be holy to the Lord. All right, you need a little bit of, of Old Testament knowledge to understand, unpack this. Holy to the Lord, where do we see that? An inscription of holy to the Lord. I brought a handout to show you guys. Anybody want to venture? All right, so this is the high priest's uh, uniform, right? It's called the ephod. And uh, you'll notice that his headgear, it's this, uh, it's this gold rim, and it's written in Hebrew, and you can't see it, obviously, but it says, Holy to the Lord. And, and uh, hmm. it's to say that the priests were set apart. Right? The priests were so holy because they are working inside the temple. And what does it say in Zechariah? It says, on the bells of the horses. Right? Um, I mean, we're not agrarian folks, so we don't really appreciate like the magnitude of that statement. But even horses will have inscribed on them, holy to the Lord. Uh, it's supposed to convey this wondrous image that one day, not just the priests, but everyone, even the animals, even dumb, dirty, ugly horses will have inscribed on their bells, holy to the Lord. Uh, and then the next verse, or the next sentence, and the pots of the house of the Lord shall be as the bowls before the altar. What is that saying? <laughs> <laughs> that we're going to be able to approach God to Jesus what he's done for us. Like yes, but we're, why? We're well, what is the details actually saying? The, um, the pots of the house of the, of the Lord and the pots of the house of the Lord. No, wait, look, sorry. Let me go to verse 21. <laughs> sorry, verse 21. And every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holy to the Lord of hosts. What does that say? Oh. Every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holy to the Lord. It's kind of like a similar idea, right? Yes, you, it you is. even, a even idea. like the household pots that are normally just like clay and used for cooking and stuff. Are... Yes, right. Remember, and Eric talked about this, there, there, there's, um, there's a table of the bread of presents, and there were bowls, right? That's my bowls. And uh, the bowls were gold. Again, because gold signifies the presence of God. And everyone, I mean, who eats off gold plates? You don't, it's, it's, it's like, you would have to be fantastic wealthy to do that. But not only, not only as a Jew would you never do that, you would never do that because on, the only gold, um, only, only gold of, what do you call those things? no not utensils um, implements I don't know um, imple- who's the design major here okay, um, the only place the, the only place that gold implements are allowed is inside the temple and then the verse is saying every single pot in the city even the common people will have gold, gold bowls and gold plates and I, and I remember last week when Eric was talking about how the table of presents is supposed to signify that one day we're going to eat with God but the reality is here We're going to have gold plates because again um, we're going to be in the temple we're going to be inside the Holy of Holies Um, all right third detail Uh, look with me to verse 19 in uh, uh, the um, revelation passage who can I okay this requires a lot of knowledge of of reading really hard pronunciation for gems Who, who know who likes jewelry Melissa, come on. <laughs> you, must know, you must know how to pronounce all these words. I'm not even sure 100%. Can I ask you to read just verses 19 through 20? No pressure. If you don't know how to pronounce, it's what? okay. <laughs> it's on the right column. 20, 20. Okay. 19 to 30? 20, 40, 20, 20, 20. 20. 20. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh crystalite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth crystal the eleventh jasthin, the twelfth amethyst. I was impressed. 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 You convinced me that you knew all of these gems. Um... (laughs) Alright, so um, the other thing about this city, and it seems quite impractical, but the foundation of the city were made from these 12 precious stones, these pr- 12 precious gems. And you would think, oh, that's a very impractical foundation for a city. Um, what, what is this conveying? Um, I think it all makes sense if we go to Genesis chapter 2. Look, turn to the other page. Uh, let me read to you Genesis chapter 2 verse 10, so it's the second paragraph a river f- flowed out of uh, Eden to water the garden and there it divided and became four rivers the name of the first is the pishon and uh, it is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah where there is gold and the gold of that land is good bdellium and onyx stone are there and and you know when you first read genesis it just seems like really random <laughs> details Right? It's like here's a garden, you know, here's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And all of a sudden, oh yes, and there's lots of gold and the gold is very good. And there's onyx and bedelium. Right? I don't even know what onyx who knows what onyx and bdellium is. Is anybody? I, I I believe Onyx, is it? Is it like volcanic stone or something? <laughs> I believe bedelium is, is like tree sap. Uh, uh uh when it's like I don't I don't know how you call it when it like crystallizes, yeah. Yes, that's very valuable Jeff (laughs) Um, So, okay, so, okay, listen, right So there's onyx, there's bdellium, and there's gold And it seems really random, again, right Like, why would you include, there was bdellium, there was onyx Again, it's to link these precious stones with the presence of God And that's why when you have the high priest, his uh, his ephod You notice that there are 12 uh, gems And I don't know if this image conveys it very well but he wears 12 different gems, and the, these, the 12 gems each represent the tribes of Israel, so the fullness of God's people. But each of them are a different gem, right? And, and, and the description of each gem perfectly matches what is said in Revelation. The only difference is... is um, the, there are some differences if you look at the English translation, but we believe it's because of the differences in the way Hebrew and Greek uh, attributed these stones. But it's the same stones. And so basically, the, the foundation of the city is built out of these... These gems, and again, I hope I'm not being overly redundant. But again, what is the, what is the meaning? It's that we're inside the temple, we're inside the garden, we're back in the presence of God. Okay. Um. Next detail. Turn to uh, chapter twenty-two, verse one through two, uh, of the, the revelation passage. Who can I pick on? Um, David. Um. Can I have you read it? And I saw no temple in the city. Oh, sorry. Just kidding. Oh, oh, actually, let me set this up for you before yeah. you start reading, right? Okay. So I said that basically the New Jerusalem is Eden reestablished, right? You know, and of course the first thing you might say is, well, it wasn't Eden a garden, <laughs> uh, and the New Jerusalem is a city. It's a mega city. It's a super dense city. Um, how do those two things jive? Well, the answer is that the New Jerusalem is a garden city. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> does, that, does that seem like a really easy answer? It's a, it's a garden city, and if you think about it, the temple is really a, 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 um, a garden temple because it has all the all that garden imagery. So let's read uh, chapter twenty-two, verses one through two. It's the last part. Okay. Like that yeah. Sorry about that. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Yeah. And if you look at Genesis, uh, turn with me to the other page. If you look with me to the Genesis passage, verses 8 through 9, let me read it for you. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground... And out of the ground the Lord made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And the tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so, we're told that Eden has some some distinctive features, right? It has those precious stones, we saw that already. It has a river, right? It has Not river, it has rivers, three rivers. And it has trees, right? And then, if you look at the Revelation passage, it says that in the middle of the city, so let's say this is the middle, there's this river flowing right? In the middle of the street, right? Which, again, is a very unusual architectural feature. And again, the whole point isn't that this is in a normal city. This is a garden city. And it says on either side is planted a tree. Um, That is a little unusual too, right? Because wouldn't you think that if it were on both sides, it would be two trees at least, or multiple trees? Um, But again, it's evoking the tree of life. But basically, on either side, there are trees. It's this beautiful... Uh, garden City. And notice what it says about the trees. It says, um, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Right? This isn't just like a beautiful garden where you walk through and you're like, oh, so nice. But the garden has healing properties. It restores the soul. It restores your heart. Right? Where, it, where you know, the Bible describes Revelation as where there'll be no more tears where um, every right will be wronged, um, where even evil and death will be undone. That's what the garden imagery means. Because when, peop- when we were kicked out of Eden, then death and disease and, and injustice um, uh, cultivated. But inside the garden, everything is good. Everything is right and healed. And so again, we're going to go back where, where there's healing. And uh, let me show you uh, this interesting passage in Ezekiel 47. Turn with me to the next page again. Um. Again, Ezekiel forty-seven is another prophecy of of the future temple. And uh, who can I call on? Can I call on Tub to read Ezekiel forty-seven? And on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail. Uh, but they will bear fresh fruit every month, because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food, and their leaves for healing. Yeah. And so um, I have written here that the garden is a metaphor for a life full of gladness, prosperity, free from illness and disease. And so the New Jerusalem will be a garden in which all the brokenness and wretchedness of humanity will be healed. Um, it's an amazing picture. It's, it's, it's an amazing hope. Uh, any questions on everything I've been talking about so far? Let me open up. Yes, Gideon. Um, it says... Uh, um, you're talking about uh, Revelation 22? Um, Yes. Is that a reference to the Old Testament? Absolutely, right? Um, You see all these prophecies that the nations will come streaming into Jerusalem, right? And that from every tribe, tongue, and nation will glorify God. Um, And we're actually going to talk about that very shortly, but uh, it is. You know, like, pretty much revelation uh, 2122 you can just break down every single phrase and it has an old testament reference um, and so it's kind of like sensory overload <laughs> because it's just so much it's just too much so i just like picked out the details that i wanted to but it's 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 an overwhelming vision what what john here is giving us yeah so that's a great question it's great that you that you saw, saw the detail any other questions or any other all right. Let's move on. Um, look at verse twelve of uh, chapter twenty-one, Revelation. Um, let me just read it. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and the gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. But let me just stop right there and just talk about the walls. Okay. So this city has walls. Um, what was the purpose of walls? Huh? Protection. Protection. Um, So why is that a little unusual? First of all, do do modern cities have walls? No, no, because um, we have rockets and (laughs) missiles, right? Your puny medieval wall does nothing, right? Um, um, But but you know, but beyond that, beyond you know the modern anachronism, why is it a little bit unusual that there's a wall here? Why would, we need it? Why would you need it, right? Yeah, there, I mean, are, are there enemies that are going to sack the city? Um, it's just to convey the sense of, of security and strength. Again, it's hard for us as modern people to appreciate it, but the vast majority of modern people lived in encampments with no city walls. To live inside a city with walls was like an extreme rarity. It, only, only very wealthy people can kind of live... Only kind of the elite classes live inside the city walls. Everyone else like, live outside encampments. And your life, I mean, has anyone seen Apocalypto? Right? I love that movie, right? It's great because the, the movie opens with everyone just eating and they're like happy. They're having, a, they're having a, a feast. They're just enjoying life. And then they all go to sleep. And then the next morning they wake up and raiders come in and they... Take, they kill all the adults and they take them captive, right? That was a reality in the ancient world. You would live in your little village and you'd go to sleep and the next morning, who knows if you'll be alive because raiders can come in. And, to, and so to live inside city walls was a tremendous comfort because that can never happen to you. At most, it'll happen after a couple of months, <laughs> you know, because they, like, um, they would lay siege to the city. And so the fact that there's city walls is a tremendous comfort. It's to let people know no harm will ever come to you ever again. You know? Um, and then notice the notice the, the city wall has what? Twelve angels. Why why is that significant? Forget the number twelve. Again, twelve represents the fullness of God's people. But what about angels? Angels placed at the gate of the Garden of Eden. Yeah, yeah. Right so remember and and this was replicated in the temple right there was there was an angel this is my replica of an angel and when 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 adam and eve were expelled out of eden an angel was there it was placed there to guard the way back and an angel was placed images of angels were placed inside the holy inside the temple to guard the way back into the holy of holies now there are angels again but this time they're facing outward not not they're they're to protect the people We're inside the city. Do you you see what I'm saying? They're not sort of like guarding this inner sanctuary that we can never enter. We're inside the sanctuary and the angels are around us. That's the image. All right. Um, Any questions on that? All right. Um, Okay. This is where the dimensions of the city. And we'll close with this. All right. Uh, Number six. Or my notes, number six. Um, All right. So the New Jerusalem, right? It gives us very detailed uh, 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 measurements, right? 1,400 square miles. Um, But again, I believe that is symbolic. I think what the text is telling us is that, in fact, the entire (laughs) new creation, the whole new Earth, will be a giant city. Um, And let me prove it to you. Um, This requires a little bit of argumentation from uh, the Old Testament. Okay, alright, so what is my thesis, what's my argument here? Is that the New Jerusalem will be um, synonymous with all of new creation. There will be no reality outside New New Jerusalem. It's the whole thing, it's the whole kit and caboodle. Alright, so remember, okay, this is Earth, right? And when God first established the Garden of Eden, it was a highly localized place. Right, it's Eden. Right, it wasn't spread out over the Earth. And then even when... um, even when uh, uh, they built the temple, right? It was a highly localized place, right? It wasn't all over. And what is that saying? That God's presence is only dwelling in this tiny, and is only in this tiny area, right? But then look with me to to Genesis one. Oh, I don't have it printed, but Genesis one twenty-eight. All right, who? Who can I ask? Um, can I have Ashley read Genesis one twenty? I think it's on the handout. <coughs> God blessed them, and, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Yes, right. Now, I'm going to cram in a whole, an enormous amount of theology into like two minutes. Humanity is made in the image of God. So, in a sense, where humanity is, when they're imaging God, correctly and rightly. They're, they represent the presence of God. They're God's representative. And what does God say? God places Adam and Eve inside this highly small, localized place. But what does he tell them to do? He tells them to go and fill the earth. Right? And what he's basically saying is spread my presence over the whole of creation. That's the... That's the... That's, that's the um, that's the, uh, the great trajectory of the entire Bible story, is that humanity was supposed to, as God's representatives, as God's images spread throughout the earth and spread and expand Eden. They were supposed to make it so that Eden goes, stretches over the whole face of creation. And then what happens, right, is that, of course, Adam and Eve fail, but then, um, but then what happens is God establishes the church. And the church is the temple. Okay. Uh, let me just read some, let me read one verse to you very quickly. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. It's on your handout. Uh, on the right-hand side, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. All right, that's, that's all the verse I'm going to give you. There are more. But basically, <laughs> the church is a temple. And what, is, and what does God tell the church to do in the Great Commission, in the Matthew? You guys remember? Go make disciples, Go make disciples of? All nations. All nations. Right? So here are here are the nations. And he's saying right there in Jerusalem, go out there and make them my disciples, make them into redeemed images of God, spread the temple. And I think that's so amazing. The church becomes a mobile human temple. And as they spread throughout the ancient world, they're expanding the temple. Right, and, and that's what we're doing in the Great Commission. That's what we're doing in missions. We're spreading God's presence. We're, we're expanding the temple. And then finally, it is finally fulfilled in the New Jerusalem because the New Jerusalem is the whole of creation. And then let's look at um, Revelation chapter 21, uh, verses 1 and 2. And then we're going to end with this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband." Okay, one of the the ways you read Revelation is that there's a passage, for example, I think in Revelation 5, where John sees Christ and he's a lamb, and then he looks away and he looks again and and then he's a lion, right? And what that's basically saying is that it's the same thing. Jesus is the lion who is the lamb, who is the lamb who who is the lion. And the exact same uh, feature happens here in verses 1-2. John sees the new heavens and the new earth, new creation, and then he sees new Jerusalem. And what that's basically saying is that all of new creation, new Jerusalem is new creation. It's the new redeemed earth. Basically, it's a fulfillment of this. All of reality will be filled with God's presence. There'll be nowhere where, the, where God isn't there. And that's, that's really the dream. That's the hope. That's the great story of the Bible that, that, that the Bible is telling us that this is what we're hoping for. This is what we're praying. That's why we do missions. You know, this is, this, this is why we long for God to come back because we want to be in God's presence forever and ever and there'll be no more tears. All right. Any questions or comments? All right. Let me close in prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for this great picture that we have in Revelation um, of the future reality of this future hope and we know that uh, in fact you gave this book of Revelation to a church that was suffering under persecution uh, in the Roman Empire and uh, it gave them tremendous courage and it gave them uh, tremendous power to live radical gospel centered lives and to uh, change the world. I pray that it would do the same for us uh, that we would have this vision and, uh, and we would live it. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys.